We started a new series tonight on the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you've got it in your head, a little baby Jesus in a manger, born in a stable, it's true, it happened. But it goes much deeper than a baby in a manger. In fact, the birth of Jesus Christ is just as exciting as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let me begin by saying this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ with all the Marys running here and there and all the disciples going everywhere, the resurrection can be quite exciting and confusing. But it is thrilling when you see the story of the resurrected Son of God, especially when you see Him settle down in the first chapter of Revelation. Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I hold the keys of death held in the grave. Amen. So the, the story of the resurrection uh, can be uh, confusing somewhat, but it's extremely exciting. There was just, you know, there was electricity in the air. It was a God electricity in the air at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how many know there was also a God electricity in the air at the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to look at some things tonight. Don't know how far I'll go because we got all of December to look at these things. But buckle up, buckle up. I'm going to talk about the nativity scene. The nativity scene. And it is just as confusing as the resurrection. But it is just as inspiring and exciting as the resurrection, the birth of Jesus Christ. So I want you to stand with me. Go to your uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll begin with verse 1. Read down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him not anything that was made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through Jesus might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light, speaking of John the Baptist. That was the true light, speaking of Jesus Christ, which lighteth every man that cometh un into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, that is, the blood of man, nor the will of the flesh, that is, the sweat of the flesh. Nor the will of man, that is, the stubborn will of man. But must be born of God. 
And the Word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here in verse 14 is John's account of the nativity scene. And the Word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to use for a subject tonight the nativity scene. You may be seated. You say, well, preacher, this John chapter 1 doesn't even have a nativity scene in it. I know. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. It doesn't have a nativity scene in it. And so I think it would behoove us to see what he's talking about. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. John is the big John. When you look at Matthew, Matthew declares Jesus as king, king of the Jews, king of Israel, the coming king. Mark portrays Jesus as a servant, a slave under Roman rule. Luke declares Jesus as the Son of Man, Emmanuel, God with us in flesh. But John declares Jesus as God, the Son of God. Now in Matthew, there is really very little genealogy. Some, but nothing like Luke. In Matthew, it may shock you, but there is no nativity scene in Matthew except a star. That's all that's there. The nativity scene in Matthew is just a star. Say, so what about the three wise men? No, the 300 wise men or the 3,000 wise men. They're kings and they're coming to anoint King Jesus. Where is he born king of the Jews? And they came from a long way off, and they followed the star. And that star is the only thing in the nativity scene in Matthew. In fact, the child in Matthew is probably one and a half, two years old. They have left the stable and went to a house. And the wise men have come to the house, and they have brought Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is the riches of a king. It would take care of Jesus through his travel, through Egypt and out of Egypt and Judea into his ministry. Frankincense is worship. And the wise men worship Jesus Christ. They always use frankincense to worship God. Myrrh was used to anoint a dying or dead body. For they knew that this King Jesus would give his life as a ransom for the sins of the world. So when you look at the nativ nativity scene, really in Matthew, the only thing in it is in a star. The wise men come later. There is no nativity scene in the Gospel of John. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because Jesus is God. 
In Mark, there is no genealogy or nativity scene because Jesus came to be a slave, a servant. And there's actually no genealogy of the servant. Did you know that the four beasts in Revelation, one had the face of a man, one had the face of a flying eagle, one had the face of, a, uh, of an ox, and, and, and one had the face of, uh, what was the other one? The, the lion, the ox, the, what's the other one? Come on, help me here. It, flying eagle. And if you look at those faces in Revelation, thanks for helping me preach, by the way. If, if, <laughs> if you look at them faces, you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in those. And those beasts were full of eyes within and without. And the Bible is full of wisdom within and without. So let's get the nativity scene right. Because getting it right will help us understand the power and the sovereignty of God. First of all, there is no nativity scene in the Gospel of John. None. No angels. No baby Jesus, no swaddling clothes, no born in a stable, laid in a manger in swaddling clothes, no inn where there was no room for him in the inn, no shepherds abiding in the field at night, no angel of the Lord declaring he's born, king of the Jews. The sky is lit up with praise. That's not there here in the Gospel of John. And Bethlehem stable where the animals are, none of that is in the Gospel of John. None of that. I certainly don't want to confuse you, but we need to look at this Matthew. In Matthew, we have just the star. And I want to explain to you why in Matthew there's just the star. You say, well, wait a minute. Wasn't there wise men? Yes, but they came later. It wasn't in the nativity scene. It was in the manger scene. They came when Jesus, and we know that because Herod was going to kill the babies from two years old and down. And we know that it was a travel, and we also know that when the wise men got there, they did not find Jesus in a stable, in a manger. They found Jesus in a house. And they bowed before him and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, the only thing in the book of Matthew concerning the nativity is the star. The star was there from the beginning, leading the wise men to Jesus. The star stayed there until the wise men came. Mark has no nativity seen in it. Luke has no star in its nativity scene. Luke has no wise men in its nativity scene. No star, no wise men. Luke has the deepest account of the nativity scene. For in Luke, there's the angels, there's the baby Jesus, there's the swaddling clothes, there's the, the born in a stable Jesus was, laid in a manger, no room for him in the inn, the shepherds on the hill abiding by night, the angel of the Lord speaking, glory to God, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men, the sky lights up with praise, angels begin to shout, and Bethlehem stable is full of animals. That's the picture 
of Luke's nativity scene, but it's not, it has no star, and it has no wise men. Now, I want to point out some things that's, that really has me stirred, and I, and I don't want to confuse you, but I do want to help you understand just like we understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God had a purpose for every action, every move, everything that was done in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is declaring Jesus as the king, king of the Jews. Mark is declaring Jesus as a servant. Luke is, uh, is uh, portraying Jesus as a son of man. Emmanuel, God with us. And John is declaring Jesus as God. In Matthew, God told, in fact, Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it says, and was there until the death of Herod. In other words, what happened was, is when Jesus was born, according to Matthew, in the night, Joseph is told by God, get the child up, get him out, go into Egypt, because Herod is going to kill the child. And so Joseph gets up in the night, God speaks to him through a dream, takes him into Egypt, and there he spends a great deal of time in Egypt. But notice verse 15 says, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. What prophet? Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, God said, and called my son out of Egypt. Abraham, being the first Gentile converted Jew, Abraham being producing the nation of Israel, well, while Israel was small, the Bible says that God told Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 13, that his young group of people that's going to be a nation would spend 400 years in Egypt. When God sent Moses to Egypt, Moses the prophet, Moses with a high hand of power and the power of God led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness to present the law. And then later, Joshua takes them into the land of Canaan. Jesus comes a greater than Moses. And Jesus comes as a greater than Moses. See, the law came by Moses, but Grace and truth come through our Lord Jesus Christ here in that first chapter of St. John. And so Jesus Christ comes to earth. He has always been pre-existing the Son of God. God robed in flesh and he comes to planet earth to lead God's Son out of Egypt. When did that happen? Well, when God spoke to Joseph and said, Herod's dead now. You can go back. And the scripture is very clear in this 15th chapter of Matthew that God spoke to Joseph and said, Herod's dead. 
you might fulfill which was spoken of by the prophet Hosea saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. And so God calls Jesus out of Egypt into Nazareth. Actually, they rested. They were going to rest near Herod, but because Herod's son was a dud and foul, they, they finally ended up in Nazareth. But you need to understand that it's been prophesied all along that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem. The star was the only thing in Matthew in the nativity scene. But we're told in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, when the wise men came, the Magi came to Jerusalem, Herod sees this big, and by the way, three, three um, uh, wise men wouldn't have got Herod's attention. But 300 or 3,000 would get his attention. 300 or 3,000 kings coming into Jerusalem, that would get Herod's attention. And so Herod says, why are you here? And they were looking for the king of the Jews. Woo, that really ruffled Herod. Amen. Because Herod considered him to be the king. And so Herod says, well, where is this king? Where's he at? And they went, the wise men went to the scribes, the Pharisees in Jerusalem. And the scribes and the Pharisees said, well, he'll be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2 says, but thou, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come the king of Israel. And so these wise men, they go, and Herod tells the wise men, well, when you find him, get a hold of me. Come back and tell me so I can go back and worship him. Liar, liar, lake of fire. Amen. And God warned the wise men, don't go back the way you came because Herod will kill the child. So the wise men went another way. It's interesting that Jesus Christ came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the city of David. Bethlehem is the, where the well that David wanted to drink out of when it was under Philistine siege. Bethlehem is where they raised sheep for sacrifice. Did you hear me? Bethlehem is where they raised lambs perfected for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. And Bethlehem was also known as the house of bread. And it's interesting to me that Jesus would be born with the lambs are raised for sacrifice. And the bread was given by multiple tons of, of grain and germ, wheat, wheat germ to produce bread. And Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. Interesting that that phrase was made in St. John as God. That phrase is made in St. John, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. 
We find him, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. Interesting that it's all back to Jesus as God. And so we look at this and we understand that the star, Matthew only records the star. I'm sorry if that messes up your nativity scene. But there's only a star in Matthew's nativity scene. And there's some things I want to point out that I think is very, very important. Then we'll look at our text. Verse 14 of John chapter 1. John, there is no nativity scene. No star. Why? Because the star is going to come. The light of the world. The bright and morning star. No baby Jesus. He's sovereign God. No stable. Not even a pregnant Mary. And John. Remember I told you that the male is the one that produces the seed that hands down the sin nature to mankind. The woman has the egg. The woman does not have a seed. Genesis 3.15 says, The seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and you'll bruise his heel. The only problem with that statement is a woman doesn't have a seed. So God says, I'll give her one. And he put a seed in the virgin womb of Mary. And so God bypassed, just as I was preaching this morning, Joseph did not give Jesus his body. Joseph did not give Jesus his blood. And Mary did not give Jesus a sinful nature because the sinful nature comes to the seed of the man. Was Mary sinful? Yes. Because Adam impregnated Eve and as she goes, the birds and the bees, the flowers and the trees. Man, and there's no such thing as anybody being born outside of a seed of a man. The people think they're so hot. Scientists think they're so strong. But the truth is, they can only take what God has, mutate it, mess with it, defile it, and think they've made some great discovery. Every human life must have a seed and so Jesus did not have the sin nature because the seed was from his father God. Jesus did not have the blood from Joseph. He had the blood, and by the way, the, a mother that's carrying a child in her womb, that child can have a completely different blood type than her. <laughs> and so it was with Mary, the virgin. The type of blood was God in Jesus. And through his veins was the God blood. I'm not going to stay there too long because I parked there a little while this morning. But I would like for you to have a good understanding of the birth of Jesus Christ. Mark doesn't mention the nativity scene. Luke talks about many different characters. Luke chapter 2, we have the nativity scene with all its characters, minus the star the wise men. I want to help you understand the birth of Jesus Christ in a way that maybe you've never grasped it before. The Bible says in verse 14 that the Word 
was made flesh and dwelt among us. We know how that happened to the Virgin Mary. But John doesn't even make a big deal out of it. Obviously, John didn't make a big deal out of Mary. John must have not been Catholic. Just preach it the way I see it. Right? And so John doesn't make a big deal because John doesn't want us to know Jesus after the flesh. John wants us to know Jesus after God, his sovereign nature. The Bible says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That is John's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. I uh, want to turn a little bit and want to ask you a few questions. I guess the first question I would ask you is, why is John avoiding the nativity scene? And I think it's obvious. All that at the stable, all of that at the manger was a human thing. Jesus is God. And I'm glad that he took on human form. I'm glad that he took on flesh. But God says... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why didn't he say truth became flesh and dwelt among us? Well, Jesus was truth. He definitely was truth in the flesh. But then again, you and I are truth in the flesh if we've got God's Word in us. So something has to divide Jesus from us. We got the Word in us. We're Word in flesh to some degree because we've been impregnated with the seed of God. Why didn't, why didn't it say the Word was made truth, although Jesus is all truth, but it's possible for someone to be claimed truth and still be error and misleading. It says the Word was made flesh. It doesn't say the truth was made flesh, although Jesus is truth. It doesn't even say the light was made flesh, although Jesus is light. Hear me. God did not speak booming from the heavens, I am God, trust me. No, 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 no. The Word had to become flesh so that we could trust Him. So that we could identify with Him. So that we could be born of Him. Be changed by the power of God. Did God speak from heaven? Yes, He did through the prophets. Did God speak from heaven to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes, 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 yes. The Old Testament is full of God speaking. Angels brought forth many manifestations in the Old Testament. But why did God come in the flesh? Why does it say the Word was made flesh? Not the light was made flesh, because I'm convinced there's some people out there in the flesh that's got a little bit of light, and it's not the right kind of light. 
But the light that Jesus has lights every man. So God didn't speak out of a booming voice, trust me, you'll be saved. He comes down to a booming Savior, his word in flesh, preaching the gospel. God didn't come down in a beam of light, just coming down in a beam of light, and the, and, and the, the, and the light became flesh. Because if Jesus would have came down in a beam of light, we could never identify with him. The only thing that God could do was for his word to become flesh. And when his word became flesh, his flesh with God in him, the fullness of the Godhead, fulfilled every prophecy in this book. Fulfilled every word in the Old Testament. Fulfilled every prophecy, every word, every type, every shadow. Fulfilled the tabernacle. Fulfilled the temple. Fulfilled it all. The bread, the show, uh, show bread, the light, the candlesticks, the olive oil. He, he fulfilled it all because the word was made flesh. The Old Testament was made flesh. The New Testament was made flesh. And I think it's interesting. Whatever Jesus said was the word of God. How many would agree whatever Jesus said was the word of God? I mean, if Jesus would have got hiccups, that would have been the hiccups of God. Amen? Whatever came out of Jesus' mouth was the word. But God had to come down in a man the Word was made flesh, dwell among us, so that God could fulfill every prophecy, every word in this book, shed His blood for every lamb that had been ever sacrificed, to give us something to eat that would make us live forever, something to drink that would make us live with everlasting life. God had to come down in the flesh, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father. We saw that he was full of grace and truth. And when Jesus Christ come, whoo, his birth declares that he is God. Amen. You missed a chance to shout right there. I don't want to get too far out of bounds here, but when Jesus Christ came, he changed time. We have B.C. and A.D. A.D. is not after the death. A.D. is talking about the life of Jesus Christ, his resurrected life. It's not after death. We have our counters B.C. and A.D. But a bunch of theologians that didn't believe the Bible a bunch of scholars that claimed to be teachers decided to call it CE instead of BC. They called it BCE when it began and CE when it ends. All to avoid the birth of Jesus Christ. Hello. Well, I'm just going to stick to B.C. and A.D. How about you? Amen? I heard a preacher say one time, well, in fact, it was uh, um, 
Gary Hamrick, he was sharing about this, and he said he went to a school with his uh, son or daughter, and he noticed that the Sunday school, or not the Sunday school teacher, the public school teacher had written out C-E, B-C-E, the beginning. She had deflected from B-C, or B-C before Christ and A-D, and she had B-C-E beginning and C-E meaning for the end. And so Gary Hamrick says, what are you doing? So, well, we just decided to divide that up because, you know, we need to keep religion from the classroom, kind of keep things separate, and we don't want to lead people astray. And so Gary Hamrick said, well, let me ask you a question. What does B-C-E mean? She said, before. Well, what does C-E mean? She said, after. It's a question. B-C-E, before, before what? And, and, and C-E, after what? And she nervously grinned and said, well, Jesus Christ, the beginning and the life that he brings. I'd say he won that argument, don't you? She probably hates him to this day, but he won. This baby changed the world. Jesus changed the world. But understand that that baby in the manger would have never changed the world without first the scene, the nativity scene in John chapter 1. Amen? John chapter 1. That's the God I serve. Yeah, the God I serve came born of a virgin. Yes, the God I serve was born in a stable, laid in a manger. Yes, the God I serve, shepherds were abiding in the hills, uh, abiding and taking care of their sheep by night. Yes, the God I serve, uh, the angel spoke and said, I bring you good tidings uh, uh, to all men, peace on earth, goodwill unto all men. Yes, my Savior, my God came on that night of the birth of Jesus Christ there in Luke chapter 2. And yes, Yes, the wise men came later on there to follow the star. That's my Savior. But I want you to know my Savior is also the Gospel of Mark who washed the feet of his disciples. My Savior is also the Gospel of Mark who Jesus Christ became a servant and became a, 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 a bond slave and became a Roman uh, subject there to bring to us the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And it took him to a cross. He bled and died on the cross. He rose again from the grave. Why? Because my God is found in John 1 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't light your fire, your wood's entirely too wet. Amen. Let me read a scripture to you. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. I'm not going to preach much longer. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to share with you the nativity scene is much different than what we see today. And, and by the way, how many remember a few years ago everybody was trying to fight the nativity scenes? 
Well, you can't put it in the courthouse lawn. You can't put it in public property. You can't put it in, in, in a corner of a, a street. And they fought it. Atheists fought it. People that didn't want to submit to Jesus Christ, they fought the nativity scene. They really did. Why? Because they want to say, no, Jesus did not come. No, Jesus did not come to redeem us of our sin. And they try to do away with the nativity scene. But God was the one that gave us the first nativity scene, and it's never going to be taken away from us. Amen. I'm proud of some of our McDonald owners, Christian owners. They put their nativity scene right in the windows. Amen. Churches put it right out in front. I don't have a problem with a nativity scene. I'd rather have real animals. Maybe Chuck could help us out with that. He's surely got a dumb donkey somewhere that's a bray. This nativity scene right here, you'll notice there's, the wise men are there. That's not exactly correct. Mary's there. Joseph is there. Jesus is there. Yes, that is correct. But there was no star in the Luke account, and there was no, there, there was no uh, 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 wise men in the Luke account. Actually, the most intense account of the nativity scene is in Luke. But Luke doesn't have a star or the wise men either. Why? Because Matthew, he's the king of kings, king of the Jews. Kings come to worship him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The star shines and said, this is a king. It's not found in Mark because he's a servant. Luke goes all out. Luke says, there was a baby, and there was, there was you know, the, the swaddling clothes, and there was the shepherds abiding in the hill, and all that's true. But Luke didn't have the star. Well, the wise man, he was portraying Jesus coming as a man. Thank God he did. But then Luke declares, or John declares Jesus as God in flesh. I hope I'm not troubling you. The Bible says that Caesar decided that all the world should be taxed. I think that's in Matthew chapter 2, maybe in Luke chapter uh, 1 and 2. I'm not sure. But anyway, a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus decided that the whole world would be taxed. The whole world in that time was Rome. And they went to Bethlehem because that's where Mary was from. She was of the family of David. Mary was of a son or a daughter of David. Joseph was a son of David. In fact, Joseph, had it not been for Roman rule, Joseph would have been next in line to be king. And when Joseph named Jesus, he actually claimed Jesus. Unless Joseph named him, if he didn't name him, my dad used to say, you name that cat, you own it. You name that dog, you own it. Don't name it, you claim it if you name it. Well, 
Joseph said, I'm naming this son. I'm going to name him what the angel told me to name him, Jesus. And at that statement, Joseph declared that the son was his. We know that he wasn't the biological, that God the Father is the father of Jesus Christ. But Joseph, nonetheless, took it upon him to have Jesus. Caesar, you don't hear nothing about him anymore. But we hear about Jesus everywhere. Amen. More books been written about Jesus. More songs been sung about Jesus. More sermons been preached about Jesus. More people come and worship Jesus. More people believe in Jesus. And watch Caesar, a salad. A salad dressing. But Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. But while Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel came to him and said, Joseph, thou son of David. I love that phrase. In a dream, he says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus. For he shall save his people, meaning everybody belongs to him. His people. He shall save his people. Not just the Jews. He shall save his creation. He shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Amen. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, there's no other name under, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We can call upon the name of the Lord and we shall be saved. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's pronounced different in Hebrew, Yahshua. Yes, it's pronounced Yahshua. Yes, it's pronounced different ways, but it's still in my plain vanilla, old countryfied. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. He saved the leper. He saved the blind. He saved the sick. He saved the lost. He saved our future. He saved us from our past. He saved us from death, hell, and the grave. And he saves us from the wrath of God. Jesus is my Savior. And though I'm not a king, I bow before him at his feet. And I declare him as Thomas, my Lord and my God. She didn't come. The word was made flesh. Why? Because the word had to be fulfilled. Everything had to be sealed in the Word, the type shadows, the typologies in the Old Testament, the Word of God. Everything Jesus said was the Word. He didn't come down in light. In fact, he didn't, he didn't, he, uh, the, it didn't say the Word was, it didn't say the Word was made spirit. It doesn't say the Word was made truth. The Word was made, you know, um, the light and truth and 
And these things, we need to understand something. If he said the word was made truth, or the word was made spirit, the problem we got with that is if the word was just made spirit, then we ain't got no checks and balances. Bless God. Let me give you a new revelation. You just sit down and read the book. Amen? I think it's so sick of nonsense. Will there be more truth than revelation? Yes, Paul brought a lot of revelation. He brought revelation from God's Word. But Jesus was made flesh. His Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus gives us His Word on it. And when we believe in him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gives us his word on it. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus gives us his word on it. If you eat of my bread, if you drink of my blood, eat of my flesh, you have life. You will never die. Jesus gave us his word. And his word was made flesh, dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. How's that for the first sermon of the birth of Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. The birth of Jesus Christ. I enjoy nativity scenes. I think they're awesome. They make atheists get all upset. They're awesome. I enjoy it. But don't be confused. The Bible is very detailed about the King of Kings, Matthew, the servant, Mark, the Son of Man, Luke, and Jesus, God. John. And that's why there's a difference at each nativity scene. There's not one in Mark and there's not one in John. There is one in Luke which makes big deal out of diapers. Makes a big deal of Jesus being born and put in a put in a manger. Makes a big deal about the the the, the uh, shepherds coming to come and see this baby Jesus. Makes a big deal out of it. Why? Because it is a big deal. And Luke says he came as a man to identify with us. But there was no star. And there was no wise man. Because the star and the wise man was reserved for Matthew. He's the king of Jews. The king of kings and the Lord of Lords. So what you have in this nativity scene right now is this. I'm not trying to be unkind, but what you have in that nativity scene right now is this. You have no Matthew. The only thing in Matthew was the star, but you do have wise men coming too early. Coming way too early. You have shepherds. Luke chapter 2. You have a baby, Luke chapter 2. You had the promise of the coming of the king, Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. You see the mechanics of Jesus coming in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and also in Luke chapter 1 and 2. But here in this nativity scene right here that you're looking at, that's a mixture of Matthew and Luke.
So don't get confused about Jesus being king because he is. And don't get confused about Jesus being a babe born of the Virgin Mary laid in a manger because he is. Just remember, we read the scriptures, we see the pontifical word of God, we see the amazing word of God. Amen. Now, I've never been greatly fond of nativity scenes. Always thought it would be better if you had real sheep, real donkeys, real cattle lowing. I thought it'd be really cool if you had real shepherds that smell like sheep. It'd be really cool if you were in a barn and you have to watch your step. I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be great. Live animal. And, and some churches have live animal nativities. And I think that's great. I do. Boy, they have to lay stuff down on their carpets before they have it. Because them animals leak. Amen? But I mean, no, that would be cool. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be awesome if Chuck would have brought in a herd of cattle tonight in here? I'd sue him tomorrow. But anyway, wouldn't it be cool if Chuck would have brought in some sheep and we leave the goats alone. We already have our own goats. We don't need no goats. Brought in some sheep. Brought in a sheep dog. Brought in some shepherds. It'd be so cool. But we're not there. So I have to be super content with this. And I am super content with this. The Word was made flesh. And dwell among us. And we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Amen. And Jesus come to give us a perfect picture of God the Father. Remember, salvation was not just Jesus' idea. Salvation was God's idea. The Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. Salvation was first in Father's heart. And Jesus came to fulfill what Father wanted done. So if you've got in your head that the Father was just a bad dude in the Old Testament, and Jesus is a good son in the New Testament, you're missing it altogether. The truth is, when um, oh, it was Zerubbabel, grace by grace, and talked about in Romans, grace by grace, why does it say grace by grace? He gives us grace for grace. Why does he say that in Romans chapter 5? Grace for grace. Why does he say that in Zerubbabel? Move this grace for grace. Why does he say that? Because the Old Testament is grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Old Testament is grace. God gave us the law because he's gracious. And God fulfills his law Grace for grace, because Jesus comes and completes it. Grace for grace.
Amen. Stand with me. If that don't make you sing all 18 stanzas of amazing grace, I don't know what won't. I had somebody come to my church up on the hill. How many remember when we used to be up on the hill there in, in a little building? We was in a little Jehovah Witness building. And, and, a, and a lady come in, and she wasn't really a good singer. If she's watching me on television right now, I'm sorry. But anyway, she wasn't that good a singer. And, and she come up to me, and she said, I want to sing Amazing Grace. Well, I didn't know she had 25 different verses of it. And the first verse wasn't very good. And the second wasn't any better. And the third wasn't any better. And by the time she got done, I said, woe is me. I've gone through great tribulation. And I made the statement, and I shouldn't have made it, but I made the statement in the foyer after that, and we didn't have much of a foyer. It was right there at the door. But I made a statement. I said, I just about got totally wore out on grace. Because she sang them all. She made up some. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about someone like Chuck. He makes up verses. Big Chuck back there. Man, he can sing. Big Ch There's never been a human being on the face of this planet that can take a hymnal song and juice it and just make sweet lemonade out of it. The first time I heard Chuck sing, I thought, no way. Man, he did that bolsterous voice and just sung Amazing Grace. And, and the first time I heard him sing, he forgot some of the words. He made them up, but they were good. Chuck, I love you singing. I love you singing. I love the blessings of the Lord. Amen. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How's that for the birth of Jesus Christ? We'll be at it again next Sunday night. We'll be at Miracles Are Real this Wednesday night. Pray for Bobby Baldrich for a miracle. Pray for Don DeMay for a miracle. Pray for John Llewellyn for a miracle. Pray for others that are in this room. And I think uh, Nimmer's all pretty much got hers, her miracle. Amen. As old as she is, she pulled through it. That's a miracle. There's hope for some of you. I think you could go through a brain transplant and survive. Anyway, I'm going a different direction than Nimmer comes after I dismiss. Somebody protect me. Chuck, remember I said good words about you a while ago. Amen. Josh going to play and sing. I know I'm rambling, but that's all right. I got to do it now while I'm 69. I'll do it now when I'm 69. When I turn 70, I'm going to be running on fumes. A lot of fumes. I'm planning on getting into my 90s. 90s. And I'm just going to pretend I don't hear you. And I'm just going to say what I want to say and not care what you think. So what's the difference? I pretty much say what I want to now. But it's going to get worse. The older I get, the worse it's going to get. 
and the less political it's going to become. Amen. Josh, go ahead. I got to quit. Thank you, Lord.